Well, today we're, we're finishing up our series on extravagant generosity. And I know anytime we can talk about being generous and um, having a generous spirit, it's like the, the most well-received topic uh, that, that a preacher could preach on all year long. Are you excited we're talking about generosity? You know what I mean? Come on. Let's try this again. Are you excited we're talking about generosity? All right. Of course you are. Um, listen, I, I, think, I think why we do really do get excited about this is um, St. Paul United Methodist Church has a great tradition, and that tradition is that we get excited about being a generous people. In fact, we, we truly live into the Scripture. It is blessed to give than it is to receive. And as I uh, have been talking, and Pastor Pam, as we've been talking with you all the last couple of weeks, it's evident to us, and it should be evident to you as you see and experience the things that happen in ministry through this church, exciting things happen because we do buy into the premise of generosity. I talked a couple of weeks ago about the difference between giving and generosity, and I said that just because we give, uh, that's a good thing, but that doesn't mean we're generous. I mean, we can give, but it doesn't mean we're being generous with our spirit. And I'll talk to you a little bit about that in the message this morning, because uh, when we give as a generous person, uh, it's not just the amount, it's what it is, it's, it's the heart, it's the, it's the mind, it's the spirit, it's everything that goes in that. So anytime we can be a generous person, the question becomes, are we being generous into everything that there is about us? So as we look this morning, some critical things will come to play. I shared a, a couple of models a couple of weeks ago. The first one was the scarcity model. And a scarcity model goes something like this. Uh, we all believe that God is the source of everything. Do you believe that? All right, three of you do. Do you believe God is the source of everything that we have? Okay. I know we turned the heat on a little bit earlier today. Uh, I'm going to tell them to go back to the air conditioning because you guys stay awake when you're cold. When you're hot, you kind of like, I lose you. Okay, so we talked about that God is the provider of everything. And sometimes what happens, though, is many of us fall into this concept of living into a model of scarcity. And what it looks like is God provides everything, and we become consumers. So God gives it to us. We consume it. After we consume it, we then start going, wait a minute, it's the middle of the month, I'm lacking. I'm, I'm lacking money to do things that I need or do things that I want to do or pay bills that I have. So we find we're lacking because we've consumed everything that God has given to us. When we begin to lack, that creates a very negative feeling, which is fear. So we consume, we lack, we fear. And it's this vicious life cycle that just keeps going on and on and on and on. And what I tried to share with you a couple weeks ago is that that's not the life cycle of what God wants us to live in. That sometimes we find ourselves saying, I want to be a generous person. I want to be an involved person. I want to uh, go help others. I want to do things that are constructive for God. But because we live in a scarcity mindset and we consume, we lack, and we feel fear, it holds us back from that. I said that the alternative is the Jesus model. And the Jesus model is, is different than that. So God is the provider, and we see in this next life cycle that God is the provider, and from that provision that comes, great things come out of that. And we see that what comes out of that particular model is that God gives to us, that we then give to others. We give to something else. And when we give, we begin to see things that happen. And when things happen through our generosity and through our giving, we then see that our faith grows. How does our faith grow? Because we then begin to see some tangible things. Sometimes we don't engage in our faith or we're not understanding of our faith because it's this ethereal thing that we just can't imagine because we can't see. 
But when we live into God's premise of generosity, we give, God takes what we give, and God multiplies that. When God multiplies that, we see results that come, fruit that is born, and we get excited and our faith grows. So that's the difference between being a person who is, is, is struggling in faith and one that is living into their faith. And God calls for us to move out of the scarcity model and mindset and move more into this mindset of what we call the biblical life cycle. So how do we live into that? And I want to share with you a couple of things this morning that I think demonstrates that, and it's different ways in which we can give as, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ. The first way we can become givers is that we are spontaneous givers. Now, most people live into this. Most people are what I call spontaneous givers. A spontaneous giver is somebody that sees a cause, learns about something, sees something that's happening, an injustice, and says, I can deal with that. I can help out. I can do this alone, and I can participate and make something good come out of that. We see spontaneous giving thrive during like natural disasters, during hurricanes. When, when the hurricanes went through um, Houston, we began to say, we can help with that. And we, spawn, we respond with spontaneous gifts like monies and, and flood buckets. When the hurricanes hit here, same kind of thing happens. When earthquakes and, and devastation happens around the world, we, we respond spontaneous and say, I can do something with that. The challenge with spontaneous giving is, is it's not something that is sustainable because when we, when we give spontaneously, it's kind of like a one-shot deal or it's a particular snapshot and we give in that instance. But spontaneous giving is something that's important to a follower of Jesus. Here's a good example. In Luke chapter 10, we learn about somebody called the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard that story. The Good Samaritan is a person who comes on the scene and finds somebody who's in trouble. The story goes like this. A man was going down the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, and it was beheld by robbers, and he was mugged, and he was basically left for dead. They took all of his clothes. They took all of his money. They took all of his possessions, and this man was barely surviving, laying in the middle of the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. The story goes on to say that some people came by. The first was a holy man, a priest, and the priest saw the man who was in need, but he did not respond in kind with his spontaneous generosity. The priest said, that man is bleeding, and it's the Sabbath, and I can't make myself unholy, so the priest leaves the man sitting there. The second is a man called a Levite, and a Levite was someone who was like an elder in their community. And the Levite sees the man who is, who is uh, downtrodden, the man who's bleeding and all in need of help, and the Levite says the same thing, I'm not going to get involved. And he moves on and leaves the man alone. But the third person who comes on the scene is the Samaritan. And the interesting thing about it is the Samaritan is the one who responds. He sees the man who is harmed, and he immediately springs into action through his spontaneous generosity. He binds up the man's wounds. He pours oil on him. He puts clothes on him. He puts him on the back of his donkey, and he takes him into town, and he goes into the local inn and takes out his American Express card, and he says to the guy, he says, well, they had that back then, and, and he takes, takes it out, and he says to the innkeeper, he says, here's two silver coins, Give this man whatever he needs, take care of him, and when I come back through town, I'll pay for any bills that are over and above the money that I'm giving to you. So that's an example of spontaneous generosity. And like I said earlier, spontaneous generosity is really important, but it's not sustainable because if we're only kind of picking and choosing when we want to get involved with something, the, the, the generous piece of who we are through Jesus, Jesus Christ wants us to respond in all ways the best that we can. The second way that we see this is what I call um, 
planned or uh, planned giving or uh, something that's uh, specific giving. And this is somebody who basically says that I'm going to find a way to be generous. And the way that I'm going to be generous is I'm going to plan it into my life. How do you plan that? You say you set the priorities. What's the priorities that are in my life? The priorities in my life are that I want to put God first. Remember when we talked about that two weeks ago? That our number one priority in life should be God. What is it that God wants? And after we give to God what God wants, then we live into what is right for us. But we always give the first fruits to God. So we want to give strategically in those instances, and giving strategically makes a difference. Uh, the last couple of weeks as we've been showing all these images of ways in which St. Paul United Methodist Church has been making an impact through the life of our ministries, a lot of you have sent emails and called and stopped by the office and said, wow, I never knew our church was involved in so much. We kind of say sometimes that our church is the greatest hidden little secret, that we, we don't tell enough about what God is doing. And it's, it's not a sin to boast with what we do in a sense that we're giving God the credit. It's a sin if we say, look at what we're doing. But it's okay to say, look what God is doing and how God is blessing this community through what is happening here. And when you see those images, some of you have said to me, I wish I could do more. And my response to that is you can, and here's how. You begin to structure your life to where you give strategically. And strategically means that you put God first and you say, God, I'm gonna give you the first that comes. And therefore, I know that the kingdom's work is being done. And secondly, God, I trust because if I'm faithful in my giving, I trust that you'll take care of the needs that I have. Several years ago, we planted a church. You've heard me share this story about different snippets of planting a church before. It was probably one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life and, and Patty's had in her life. And it was uh, such an awesome experience. And I remember as we were planting this church, we started off worshiping in a movie theater. And uh, as, I was, as we were watching a movie last night, I saw somebody go behind the screen during the movie. I thought, I remember when we had to do that. Hide everything back there, pull it out on Sunday, take all the, the little um, gummy bears and the popcorn off of all the stuff as we set it all up. It was always a mess. But we wanted to get into our own building, and we knew that the only way we could do that was to raise the funds to build our first building. It wasn't a, a big building. It was about 15,000 square feet. It was going to be a multi-use building. But we knew that we needed to get there. We needed to do it pretty quickly. Well, I had uh, come to know a, a, a new couple who had started attending our church in the movie theater. And uh, their business travels had taken them out of the country. And they actually lived in New Zealand for about eight years. And while they were there, they never really found a church. They just uh, didn't connect with the New Zealand uh, community that well and uh, just felt like that that just wasn't home with regard to their church. So what they did was they made a decision that they said that whatever we would normally give to our church, we're going to hold that back, and we're going to put it aside so strategically when we move back to the States, we can do something with the resources that God has given to us. Well, he invited me to lunch one day, and we went out to lunch, and we got to meet each other, and we got to talking about the significance of his life, and, and he said to me, you know, I feel really blessed. I, I, I've been appointed a CEO of a company that's pretty fast growing in the Lake Mary area, and uh, we live in a really nice neighborhood. Our, our daughter's in a good school, and I really feel like God wants us to do more than just do what for ourselves. So he began to talk to me about their life in New Zealand. And he said, Bob, and so all those years, basically we had been gathering and we had saved all of those funds for a time such as this. And when you announced last Sunday, Bob, that we were ready to launch to try to build a first unit building, I knew strategically that that's what God wanted me to do with this money. And he said, so for those eight years as we've saved, 
I'm giving that to this church today that I'm now making a commitment to. Folks, those funds that he gave that day were almost half of what was needed to build that building. How could he do something like that? It wasn't the fact that he was an executive. Oh, he could do it because he's an executive. Because not all executives think that way. He did it because he thought strategically. And he knew that through his blessings, that God wanted to use those blessings in a bigger way to bless greater things down the road. The prophet Isaiah says it this way. Um, Isaiah says that uh, we are to be generous people. We're to plan to do what is generous. So Isaiah says that we're not just supposed to just do it willy-nilly, but we're supposed to make a plan. How am I supposed to be generous with what God gives me? And then stand firm in your generosity. And what that means is, is that we can't be swayed by the voices of public opinion, that when God says, this is what I want you to do, that whether we believe it, whether we understand it, whether we accept it or whatever, we have to be faithful to what God says. It may not be the pet project that I want. It may not be the thing that you might want or whatever the case may be, but we are to give that joyfully. So he says, stand firm in your generosity. And so that moves us away from the plans that we often see in our lives, which the plans that so many of us adopt is, why do I want to make money so that I can spend it on myself? And that moves us back to that scarcity mindset of the things that we see. So we need to trust and follow that as Jesus followers, we're not spiritual consumers. We're actually spiritual contributors. And out of the spirit of what God has put into, into us, we're to faithfully give that for God's healing power to transform a broken world. Uh, the other thing that we see today is, is something really powerful, and that is that as Jesus followers, we're to give sacrificially. So, so we're to give spontaneously. We see a need, we're to give to that. We're to give strategically. We're to think about putting God first in our life. And if God is first, we've planned to do that. And we're to give sacrificially. And this is the hardest one that most Christians really struggle with. We're good at giving spontaneously. We might even be good at, at giving strategically. But when it comes to sacrificial giving, sometimes that's where it gets a little bit tensive for us. Why? Because it gets tense in a sense that we begin to see that it's hurting a little bit. I can't go out as often as I would like to. I can't buy those new uh, sneakers that I wanted to. The new car I might have to put off for six months. We begin to reflect and to reprioritize the things that are important and the things that are true in order to be a sacrificial giver. I looked all throughout the scriptures, and um, there's a ton of stories about sacrificial giving. Many of you are sacrificial givers. As I look at your faces, I know that, that you give sacrificially in so many ways. And that is so helpful for us as we do the work of Christ here at St. Paul. But the one sacrificial uh, story that I really am touched by is a story that's found in Mark's gospel. And Mark writes this in chapter 12. He talks about a woman who makes a gift at the treasury. Here's what he says. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So let's, let's stop there for a second. So here, people are coming and putting their money in the temple treasury. They put it here. They are passing the plate down the aisle, and Jesus is standing there watching what they're putting in. That'd be like me following every plate, watching what you're putting in. Here, put a little bit more in. Now here, take out a little bit. You had a hard week. Here, put in double. 
I saw, I saw that you got the bonus. I mean, you know, it'd be like that. And, and it's really kind of unnerving when you, when you read this. And Jesus is watching. He's standing right there as people are putting the money into the treasury. And sometimes it really begs the question as to what in the world is he doing? Let's go on with what Mark says. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. So here you have people who are of wealth who are throwing in portions of their wealth. And then you have this widow. And what does the Bible say about widows? Bible, the widows in the Bible are very sacred people, widows and children. We are to protect them. We are to care for them because they are often, they represent the forgotten. So here's a woman who's a widow and she's coming up to the treasury and she's putting in two copper coins worth a fraction, the scripture says, of a penny. Now, you might not think a penny is worth much, but yesterday that changed for me. I took our grandchildren back to Lakeland to meet up with their mother so they could go back to their home in Winter Park. Patty and I had them an extra night and so mom could go home and get some rest. And when we were there at exit 33 in Lakeland at Starbucks, we got out and there on the, um, on the road right by where we were parked, our grandson Trey found a penny. He thought it was a treasure. He was so excited. Poppy, look what I found. I'm rich. I have this penny. And he started looking around, and by George, he found a quarter as well. I'm like, Trey, keep looking. Maybe there's $100,000 laying around here somewhere, you know. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we wonder about what's this really worth? What's it worth? Well, to this woman, this was worth a lot. It was worth a lot. Let's continue with the story. He says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Whenever we see instances where it says that Jesus calls his disciples to him, it's almost like a, a football huddle. Huddle up, you know, everybody gets together. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about something really important. We're gonna talk about a life lesson. Okay, everybody got it? Okay, one, two, three, break, let's go. And that's what Jesus said. He calls the disciples there and he says to them, very important, what this widow has done far outmatches anything else anybody else has done that day. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put everything in, everything she had to live on. Now, here's, here's the sacrifice. Remember earlier when I said that sacrifice is the hard thing for Christians to do because it makes us pinch? It's easy to give out of our wealth. It's easy to give out of our abundance. If we give out of our abundance, it doesn't harm us. It doesn't hurt us because I have an abundance. Here, take, here, take this. Here, take this. It's, it's not going to affect me at the end of the day. I have so much. Just take this. And that's okay if, if you're an abundant giver. I'm not making fun of that. But what I'm saying, though, is as a sacrificial giver, it's what's happening in the heart. Don't give out of your abundance just because you have an abundance. But be like this widow and give from your heart that this is the best offering I can give God. Here it is. Do you see the difference? So for those of us in sacrificial giving, the pinch is, are we really sacrificing something? Are we being like the widow when it comes to giving back to God? Are we pinching, in a sense, to see the great blessing that God has that is coming? So we go through this and we see that we learn a lot from this woman and we learn a lot about her gift. And, and when I read this uh, scripture in Mark, there's something I also observe about Jesus' behavior. Not just that he's there watching what people are putting in, but notice that he never tells the poor widow 
not to put her offering in. Did you catch that? Nowhere in this text does Jesus say, listen, ma'am, I know you're having a hard time this month. There's others that can carry you. Just, just keep your money. Notice he doesn't say that. I found that very bizarre. Because if I were standing there, if you were standing there, I think that's what we would say to her, right? Ma'am, look, you know, here, I've got extra. Let me, let me pay for that. You keep that. You need to do what you need to do with that. Let me, let me help out. God's been good to me this week. Let me give a little extra for that. But Jesus never says that to her. Why is that? Here's what I think. He didn't want to rob her from her offering as a blessing to God. Even though it wasn't much in the eyes of those others who were giving that day, to Jesus it meant everything. And notice that, that he didn't deter her from doing it, but once she did it, what does he do? He celebrates with great excitement and celebrates what this woman has done and that that is a greater spiritual act of love for God than what all the others had done that day. What a valuable lesson it was for the disciples to hear. We continue on in the scripture. Uh, this is what the kingdom of God is like, Jesus said. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows. How does it sprout and grow? God takes what we get and God grows it. Night and day, whether he sleeps, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, the full kernel in the head. Are you noticing that it takes the farmer, the first step to put the seed in the ground, and God does the rest. The farmer doesn't create the corn. God does. It says, and again, he, Jesus, said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed that you plant in the ground, and when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. So from a very small seed, a great relief comes for the creation. So why do we give so gener generously here at St. Paul? I mean, why do, we, why do we believe in what we do and, and why is it important for us to do what we do? You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking to you about uh, the many ways in which the blessings of this church through your generosity, partnering with God, God multiplying what we have, that whole uh, spiritual side of God multiplying that, and we see that, and then it grows, and our faith grows from there. Some huge things have been happening. This morning, I want to just share with you how through our faithfulness, God is growing ministry. So here's a couple of examples today. Take, for instance, our back-to-school jubilee. In 2016, we gave away 400 backpacks. This year, we gave away 425. We gave away 354 shoe vouchers a year ago. This year, we gave out 402. 100 dresses were handmade and delivered a year ago. This year, 125. This is why we do what we do. People who receive food through our Open Arms Resource Center, now that's growing as well as we see. In 2016, uh, 8,410 people received food products through our our feeding ministry here at St. Paul. This year, we're estimating it's going to be well over 10,000 people. Uh, the number of people who have been fed meals, this is what happens on Sundays when we go into downtown Clearwater. Uh, some of you here today are cooks. Some of you are, are servers, and we're partners with that ministry. In 2016, we fed 6,240 people. 
This year we're projecting a little over 6,300. God is growing through our faithfulness. The things that we're doing and giving back to God, you see what God's doing with it. He's growing that. The amount of food delivered this year uh, through, our, through our ministries and food partnerships. In 2016, we delivered 282,000 pounds of food. This year, we're estimating 346,000 pounds of food. Why is this happening? Because people buy into, they understand, they see the significance of what we're doing in our ministries here. And companies like Walmart and Wawa and Save-A-Lot and Feeding America and 7-Eleven and a lot of our food partners, they continue to give more food to us because they know what we're doing with it is making a difference. And because of that, look what we're able to do. We're able to help more because people can trust the work that we are. Look at this one here. 88% 88% of the people who joined our church this year alone, before today, 88% came either as new Christians or Christians who were coming back to the church, church capital C, not St. Paul, but the church. A person coming back to the church is someone who through their life has been disenfranchised, fell out of church, happens to us all, happened to me. But because of the ministries of this church and the connectedness through our source groups and our children's and youth ministry, handicapable ministry, adult ministries, all that we have going on, people have reconnected to God's church. 88% are new folks who are coming back into the life of the Christian church. 52 persons after Hurricane Irma gathered uh, up the road and we helped clean up. Uh, the park that was devastated, so that uh, families could go there. Why do we do that? Because we're for Pinellas. We're for children. We're for adults. We're for our parks. We're for our government. We're for all the things that are right in our community. And we gave up time to go do that. It gave up a date. And we all woke up with sore muscles the next day, right? And uh, Tylenol stock went up because we all took it that night. But we made a difference. Why? Because that's what we do. That's what it is to be a part of St. Paul. Our prayer shawl ministry. Did you know we had a, a prayer shawl ministry? 145 hats and scarves were, handed, were handmade and delivered to children this year. And uh, 240 items were given to the Highland Park Nursing Center. So these are our um, most vulnerable, our aged individuals who, who don't have advocates, who, who are sitting away in nursing homes, often many of them forgotten by family, and yet we're touching and reaching. 67 baby sets were delivered to all children's hospital to give babies little bonnets and booties and, and uh, mittens after they're, they're born to help them out, to keep them warm. This one here, 700 children received gifts through our uh, Christmas, our four, uh, our four uh, Christmas, four Pinellas Christmas event last year. This year, it's probably gonna be more than that. Why? Because of the generosity through the spontaneous generosity that you have shown, we've been able to accomplish this. Now this last one is, is, is on the horizon, it's, it's brand new. And this, this is um, something I talked about in an e-note a couple of weeks ago. The annual conference, the Florida Annual Conference, has gifted us a church campus one block from Clearwater High School. It used to be Friendship United Methodist Church. It's located off of Druid Street. One block from Clearwater High School. Why isn't it a United Methodist Church anymore? Because they closed the doors December 24th of 2016 because the church could not connect with its local community and it died. 
So through our consistency with the annual conference, through our conference apportionments, and through our connectedness to our connectional system, the annual conference sees the promise in us and sees the vision that we have to make something happen in our community. So they have given us this entire property as an extension campus. There's no debt on it. There's no money owed on it. It's ours now. And what are we going to do with it? We're going to move the Open Arms uh, Feeding Center over to this campus. And that will give Open Arms a building that's not falling apart. That will give them more space than they currently have. It'll get us into a community where there are thousands of people that are underfed, even greater than the community where we sit now. We're also going to be moving over our Fresh Expression Ministry our toy-making ministry. Right now, they, they hang out in the house that's behind the open arms facility. We're going to be moving them over there as well. And in 2019, we're going to be partnering with the annual conference. And the bishop, uh, we've asked the bishop to appoint a Latino pastor on our staff so that we can reach and, and have a Latino church start in that community right there in that sanctuary. Why are we going to do that? Because there's over 10,000 Latinos in a one-mile radius of that church, and they don't have a church home. And we are called to be a church to all people, aren't we? We're not just called to be a church to Caucasian people. We're called to be a church of all people. Paul says that there is no difference in Jew or Gentile, no male nor female. You know what? We are called to minister to all people, and this will be an opportunity for us to do that, and the open arms ministry will be the entree to help us build the trust in that local community. Folks, God is good. If, if this isn't a, a clap, yay God moment, I don't know what is. But God is doing some great things. This is awesome stuff. You know, that's why, that's why this is so important. That's why the work that we do is more than just a, a light bill, a, a heating bill, or whatever the case may be. Folks, we are changing lives. We are doing ministry. 